Are you ready to level up the podcast for leaders, entrepreneurs, and business with your hosts, Jose Medina and Crystal Garcia? It's time to level up. Okay, so welcome to the Undeniable Level Up Podcast, your go-to source for powerful insights and transformative tips to elevate every aspect of your life. Why settle for mediocrity when you can unleash your full potential? Join us as we dive into the world of personal and professional growth, uncovering life hacks to boost your career, turbocharge your relationships, and elevate your personal well-being. Together, let's unlock the secrets to becoming the ultimate version of yourself, armed with the tools, strategies, and yes, even the tricks that we'll explore in our captivating conversations. Get ready to level up like never before. Courage is really an interesting and layered idea. It's been on the minds of thinkers and philosophers for ages. Basically, it's all about standing up to tough situations or risks with a strong mindset, some guts, and a can-do attitude. Aristotle talked about courage in his book, Nicomachean Ethics, and he saw it as one of the most important virtues. He believed that it's all about striking the perfect balance between being too scared and too confident when dealing with tough times. A brave person knows they're afraid, but they still take action without running away or driving headfirst into danger. Historically, other philosophers' perspectives on courage emphasized moral or ethical considerations. For example, some philosophers argued that courage involves not your ability to face danger or adversity, but towards a just or a noble cause. In this sense, courage is tied to a moral principle and a commitment to doing what is right, even when it is difficult or risky. And speaking about courage, existentialist philosophers like Soren Kierkegaard and Sean Paul Satter had their own unique take on it. They saw courage as dealing with the ups and downs of life while trying to find meaning in a world that doesn't seem to care. For them, being brave means tackling life's uncertainties, owning your freedom and responsibility, and making genuine choices when faced with life's big questions. Courage as a philosophical concept can be understood as a virtue that enables individuals to face adversity, danger, or challenges with strength, determination, and a commitment to moral or ethical principles. While the specific nuances of courage may vary across philosophical perspectives, it is generally recognized as a crucial aspect of human character and personal development. And here to speak with us about courage is our special guest and friend, Krista Roseboro. Hi, Krista. How are you today? Good. I'm doing well. That's awesome. Joe and I met Krista through jiu-jitsu when she was training in Houston, Texas for a while as a professional, a mother, a daughter, and the many more hats that Krista wears. The one thing that she never has a shortage of is courage. So thank you for taking your time out to um, be here with us today and we'd like for everybody to kind of hear about who you are can you kind of tell us like where you grew up and just a little bit about you yeah so first of all i just want to thank you guys both for inviting me to join your podcast i've actually recently put a lot of work into improving my self-confidence and courage so i think this topic couldn't be any more fitting quickly a little bit about me I currently live in the North Dallas area and was actually born and raised in Dallas. A lot of my childhood was actually spent on a soccer field. I played competitively and ended up getting a scholarship to play at Oklahoma State, um, which is where I got my bachelor's degree in accounting and then my MBA. And then I went on to work for an oil and gas company for about seven years where I held a few accounting and finance roles. And now I'm a senior financial analyst for Toyota at their corporate campus um, in the Plano area. 
I'm married and have three kids, ages nine, seven, and six. So needless to say, I live a very busy life. And <laughs> on top of that, I also train jujitsu and I'm currently a blue belt. And when I say I train jujitsu, it's more of a lifestyle. About a year ago, I started dedicating a lot more time towards my training. So jujitsu has really become a huge, huge part of my life. And it does make things a little more hectic and harder to manage and balance. But Honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way because it's helped me grow so much as a person. And I've met so many great people through it, including the two of you. Oh, that's, that's awesome. When you were in school, was soccer just something that you always knew you wanted to do or, or how'd you get into soccer? <laughs> so my dad actually put me into soccer, I think starting at age five. And wow. he was actually my coach for a few years. And um, he really, he was the driving force behind that and spent so much time like teaching me and coaching me and really dedicating all his efforts and even finances towards helping me grow in soccer. That's amazing. We recently did a podcast on raising children. Um, one of the things that we talked about is when a child shows a passion for something, how you should really feed that. And it looks like he really did that for you. Like he really fed that passion once he saw that it was something that you wanted to do and you were something you were interested in. And look at how far it got you. Yes, definitely. He provided me all the resources I needed yeah. and drove me to tournaments and he, he did everything that I needed. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. In terms of going to college, when you went to college, did you find accounting to be challenging or, or that must have been a scary thing to like leave home and go to Oklahoma to go to school? How was that for you? Um, it was a little challenging, although I feel like I wanted some freedom. So it, it was um, refreshing in a way. Yeah. And I actually didn't start out majoring in accounting. It started out as a couple of things, <laughs> but I ended up choosing and settling for accounting because again my dad actually suggested it he yeah. did a lot of research on like job security and he learned that accounting has very good job security yeah. and and they pay well so that's why i ended up majoring in that because of him mm. sounds like you had an awesome dad yeah, <laughs> yeah. he was awesome yeah you graduated, you got your degree in accounting and you started getting your, you know, taking these jobs in, in the accounting field. Where did jujitsu fall in on that? And, and did you go to jujitsu for a, a reason? Like, did you, were you still looking for like an outlet or, or what was your thought as you, as you got into the jujitsu? For a while after I had graduated and I started my full-time job, I was pretty active, but I was active in other things. So it was me playing in pickup leagues around Houston. And then also I did a little bit of CrossFit mm. and like small mini triathlons. So I was staying busy, but just in a different way. Right. And then I ended up meeting my husband, Jerome at the oil and gas company that I worked for in Houston. And he actually had his own gym at the time. And that's how I was introduced to jujitsu. And honestly, I, I still loved working out and soccer and all these other things over jujitsu. So it took me a while to really understand the beauty of it and really pick it up and start having the passion for it that I have now. You know, in jujitsu, you have the option to compete in tournaments and stuff like that. And, and not everybody chooses to do that. And I know that you are a competitor. What was the motivation to compete? Where did that come from? 
Mm-hmm. I've been told multiple times, like, you're the most competitive person I know. Yeah. And even in soccer at college, my coach has said that I have a very high capacity for work and I'm always trying to push myself to be better and do better. And so I think it's just that internal drive. I'm just so used to competitive sports. And so when I finally decided to drop soccer and do less weight training, I put all that time and effort into jujitsu and that was my outlet. And it wasn't just me wanting to compete. It was also in a way like a, a stress outlet. I had a lot of things going on in my life. So it was just a way for me to express myself. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Definitely for me, I would tell Joe all the time. For me, it was a, a mental release. It's kind of stunk yeah. that I've been hurt. <laughs> Did- yeah, I feel you. Did you ever find yourself facing any type of fears going into competitions? I know a lot of people get nervous. Um, they go through different emotions as they're getting ready to compete, especially when when you're looking at different levels of competitions. Did you ever find yourself having to deal with fear and having to find that courage to then step out on the mat? Yes, a lot of times. I have a very extreme flight or fight response. I feel like my adrenaline really gets pumping and it's hard for me to calm myself in general. So anytime I decide to compete, it's like the entire week leading up to it. I'm stressed and I ha- I'm facing all these anxieties and fears and it's, it, it is stressful, but I love competition and to me it's worth it. And also I feel like the more that I compete, the better I'm getting at managing those anxieties towards it. And not only just competing, but also I started competing in other divisions. So I'm usually feather. I started competing at lightweight. I started doing open weight and I even decided to try an adult division versus my usual age division, which, which is masters one. And so that was a fear for me was me going into these heavier weight divisions or these younger age divisions. And I was nervous of what was going to happen. Would I end up losing and being completely humiliated because I was only good enough for my division. So there was a lot of fears and self-doubt going into other divisions as well. It takes a very strong sense of self to have those fears and then to be able to still move forward through that courage. Yeah, for sure. Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear. That's a quote by Franklin Roosevelt. What do you think about that? I wholeheartedly believe that I definitely get scared. I'm fearful all the time in competitions or whatever else life has thrown at me. It's really just trying to find your your why. Um, and for me, I feel like I always have a why and that's what I keep my eye on and that's what drives me. And a lot of times my why is just to prove to myself that I can be better. My why is for me to reach that full potential that I know I can get to and to really push myself to be the best version of myself. And 
not only when it comes to competing or any type of athletics or even in work, it's also when it comes to my personal growth, because I've done a lot of work in personal growth and it's easy to stay comfortable and stay where you're at. But I keep telling myself, like, you need to become better. You need to be the best version of yourself. And that is definitely what I keep my eye on when whenever I'm facing any type of doubt or fears or anxieties. One of the things that kind of stood out to me recently about you, I know some of the different stuff that you've you've been through and, and how you've been super courageous through all of that. But I had seen a post that you put on Instagram recently and you were talking about your injury and, and choosing to do the right thing, you know, regardless of what some some other people would say about taking care of yourself first and not having an injury and competing or training with that injury. That stood out to me because a lot of times we're so hard on ourselves and sometimes in in different occupations or different sports even when we were in the military a lot of times they'll say you're not giving it everything you got because you're letting this small thing that's happening to you right now dictate what you're going to do and the funny thing is what you learn later is that the times where you sacrificed yourself and you went forward and did whatever it is and yeah and maybe you killed it maybe you did a great job you realize later that you're suffering for that, whether that's an injury or any of that. And you know, one of the things that in the military that they do that, that I really appreciate is that they have a train like you fight mentality. And the purpose for that is that if you encounter in a controlled setting, the things that you would encounter in a setting that's not controlled, then your response is going to be better. So even with like competing in jujitsu, I haven't found a way to do this, but if you're able to recreate that same feeling of you going into a competition, that nervousness and everything that you feel and recreate that in a in a very controlled setting, then you would be more comfortable and everything when you go in and to, to actually do your actual competition mm-hmm. um, in the military. One of the things that they do. So I was a medic is they'll put you through some scenarios where like you'll be in a room, they'll shut off the lights. There will be artificial blood all over the floor you'll hear gunfire you'll you'll hear people yelling you'll hear people yelling for you to help them you can't see you know you're wet you're uncomfortable and you're trying to treat somebody and i remember a particular scenario that i had gone through and had actually gotten really upset because when we were done and they turned on the lights one of my patients had passed away so the guy made me write a letter to the family of this you know, fake patient that I had. And really, I think what it was is that I was upset with myself that out of all these patients that I had saved, that this one didn't make it. And the purpose of that was later what I figured out was that it taught me that there's accountability in everything you do, but that even in those moments where you have to be courageous, sometimes you're going to have some things happen where you don't feel courageous even though you were sometimes you don't feel like it that really sucked and I didn't realize until later the reason I was so upset about it wasn't even that it was wrong for him to make me do that it was the way I was making myself feel for being in that situation 
So today we're going to present seven powerful hacks that will not only boost your courage, but also empower you to confront challenges and seize new opportunities in life. By implementing these seven practical strategies, you'll be able to develop courage, conquer your fears, and unlock your full potential. And the first of these seven hacks is setting achievable goals. Setting achievable goals is essential to driving internal courage as it fosters a sense of self-efficiency, motivation, and resilience in individuals. By establishing realistic objectives, individuals are more likely to feel confident in their abilities to overcome challenges and accomplish their desired outcomes. This sense of self-belief serves as a catalyst for courage, empowering individuals to take calculated risks and also face adversity head on. Moreover, breaking down larger aspirations into smaller attainable goals provides a clear roadmap for progress, allowing individuals to track their achievements and maintain motivation. As each milestone is reached, a sense of accomplishment further reinforces the courage to persevere and overcome obstacles. In essence, setting achievable goals not only nurtures a resilient mindset, but also cultivates the internal courage needed to navigate life's uncertainties and achieve personal and professional success. Have you ever found breaking goals down into smaller chunks, boosting your self-esteem or your confidence? Yeah, about six months ago, I set a goal to win Master Worlds, which is coming up in September. So at that time, I had about 12 months to prepare. And the initial way I broke my goal down into smaller goals was to compete in these smaller scale tournaments. So I signed up for about 12 competitions over a span of six months, which was about two competitions a month. And after about three months of doing really well, I started to gain more confidence and having that extra boost of confidence led me to sign up for PANS as well, which was then another major tournament that I was wanting to win. And Another month had passed and I had won two more tournaments, but honestly, for some reason, I couldn't shake this feeling that I wasn't as good as I thought I was. And I kept doubting myself before each tournament, even after winning quad gold at one of them. And I was scared that I had only done so well because maybe I hadn't faced legitimate high level competitors. So when it came time for Atlanta Open, I was really nervous because they were actually two girls who had previously made podium at PANS. And I knew I had to change my mindset going into this competition and especially going into PANS and World. So I started to research ways to boost my confidence and I read online articles. I spoke with friends and I even reached out to a teammate who's a licensed therapist and also a mental health consultant. And what she suggested to me was this very thing. She recommended that I set small goals, whether it be for each tournament or even each match. And that's exactly what I did. And they were very simple goals, like remembering to break grips or keeping my posture or getting to the back. And I even printed them out on a small card and taped it to the back of my ID that I bring with me to tournaments. I did end up getting double gold in Atlanta, but it was the next tournament in Dallas that I really learned the significance of these smaller goals because that's where I finally had my first loss in five months of competing. And to be honest, I 
took it really hard because I knew I could do better. But when I finally calmed down, I reminded myself of the small goals that I had been working on. And at that time, it was things like recovering from side control and escaping when someone was on my back. And I realized that I had executed those very things in the match, which helped me feel accomplished even when I had lost. So That's pretty I can definitely say from experience that setting these smaller achievable goals is helpful in giving you that boost of self-esteem, especially in those weaker moments when you're feeling defeated. That's pretty incredible. Setting small goals and reaching them actually releases dopamine in your body, which is like the feel-good chemical in your body. So they say that even small things during the day when you're trying to get a huge to-do list done that like for me seems like it never gets done. You get that rush of dopamine from accomplishing something. And what's amazing is that you said that even though you didn't get the result that you wanted, that you still had achieved the goals that you had set personally for yourself, which is incredible. Yeah, no, that's really great. That's super impressive that that you were still able to see those those small victories. And just imagine if you would have went to PANS as a, as a major competition and just competed there without having competed in those smaller competitions, you would have had a lot more stress, a lot more anxiety, a lot more fear. So that's really great that you were able to kind of figure that out and structure your program that way. Uh, the second hack is embracing vulnerability. You know, being open and vulnerable is super important when it comes to building up your courage. It helps you form genuine connections, grow as a person, and bounce back from tough times. When you're honest about your fears and hopes with people that you trust, you create a support system that can offer great advice, motivation, and guidance. Sharing your experiences and viewpoints not only makes you stronger, but it also helps you feel less alone in your struggles. Plus, when you embrace vulnerability, you can face and accept your own limitations, which helps you develop a growth mindset, which is key for building courage. Recognizing your weaknesses means you can tackle them head on and learn from your setbacks, turning obstacles into chances for growth and self-improvement. And being vulnerable also encourages self-compassion and empathy, giving yourself a better understanding of your feelings and your experiences. This emotional intelligence lets you handle tough situations with more adaptability, resiliency, which ultimately boosts your internal courage. Krista, have you ever struggled to be vulnerable? And if you did, where did you muster that courage from to get over that fear of being vulnerable? I'll preface this. When I was young, I always felt like I had to prove my worth. I often overcompensated and became an overachiever. And when I first started training jujitsu, I had that same mindset of wanting to prove myself, which is the reason why I was actually hesitant to start competing because I didn't want to feel like a failure if I lost. I didn't want anyone questioning my worth or thinking lesser of me. But I knew that if I was serious about wanting to improve, then I would have to take that risk. And I, without a doubt, have grown exponentially since I started competing. And about three months into competing, I mentioned this earlier, but people started to encourage me to compete in other divisions against bigger, stronger, younger competitors, which, again, I was hesitant to do because I really didn't want to lose and feel like a failure. but. I kept reminding myself that if I really want to win a world championship, then I have to continue to push myself out of my comfort zone. And I also had to practice a lot of self affirmations to remind myself that losing doesn't mean I'm lesser of a person and also that I'm valuable regardless of the outcome. 
And the more internal work I did, the better I felt about putting myself in a situation where I could fail. And I'm happy I did that because one, it exposed me to a lot of areas that I needed to improve on, which helped me refine my game, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And it brought me one step closer to my goal. And two, it made me realize how much more potential I have. I could have easily stayed in my division and never discovered that I can, in fact, hang with the heavyweights and the teenagers. No, that's great. Incredible. Yeah. Who, who do you notice is harder? Would you yeah. say the younger ones or would you say <laughs> the ones your age? <laughs> I feel like each of them have their strengths and weaknesses. Um, whenever I go against the younger competitors, there's a lot of energy. I would say faster pace. But in my age division, it seems like they're stronger. Going back to the younger competitors, there have been times where I'm going against competitors who have been training for eight plus years and they're these young teenagers at Blue Belts. And honestly, it's really concerning knowing that and going into it. But again, having to build up that courage and face it and just believe in yourself, even though they've been training for way longer than you. Short answer is I feel like each of them have their strengths and weaknesses it's funny you say that because my daughter's dealt with the same thing alicia has only been doing jujitsu for uh less than two years right when she would go against kids who she's like mom this person's been training since they were four years old or three years old i'm like yeah but i'm gonna tell you i've known a lot of people and there's not a lot of people that train like her so yeah. i told her you know somebody could be training for eight years but maybe they're training twice a week once a day you know, like you don't know. So yep. I said, don't even think about what the other person's doing. Just worry exactly. about what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, vulnerability is one, one of the things that um, I struggled with. And, and for me, it was more personal. It wasn't really about jujitsu. It was more about just relationships. I was married young. And so then I had, I had other relationships before the relationship that I'm in now. But as I was coming into my relationship, one of the things that I really struggled with was being vulnerable um, and let my guard down. And it was a fear of obviously being hurt in a relationship because I'd been hurt in other relationships. So you kind of build up these walls and you're like, uh, well, you know, I don't want to drop these walls because I can be hurt. And I really struggled with actually being vulnerable. And it was like there was a moment in our relationship where I was like, you know, the only way that you can really connect with someone else at a, on a deeper level is actually allow yourself to be vulnerable and expose yourself to that the possibility of being hurt right. and that's a that's 100 percent of fear that i struggled with just at the beginning of our relationship well even i think in your professional life you can have that same that, that same fear and also man jujitsu definitely te teaches you humility and you definitely have to be vulnerable in order to get mm -hmm. better oh sure. yeah 100 yeah. <laughs> percent. definitely um, number three is practicing mindfulness. Practicing mindfulness is important to driving internal courage because it fosters a deep sense of self-awareness, emotional regulation, and mental focus. By engaging in mindfulness practices such as meditation or journaling, you'll learn to observe and process your thoughts and emotions without judgment. This increased self-awareness allows you to recognize and confront your fears, paving the way for the development of courage. Furthermore, mindfulness helps you to stay present and focused, enabling you to approach challenges with a calm, clear mind and heightened sense of resilience. 
as you become more adept to managing your emotions, you'll find it easier to act courageously in the face of adversity, since you'll be less likely to be overwhelmed by fear and anxiety. In addition, mindfulness encourages reflection and introspection, which can lead to a better understanding of your values, goals, and motivations. This clarity of purpose further reinforces your internal courage, empowering you to make confident decisions and take decisive action in pursuit of your aspirations. Ultimately, practicing mindfulness is a powerful tool for cultivating a courageous mindset, equipping you with the mental and emotional strength to navigate life's challenges with grace and determination. How do you practice mindfulness? This is actually an area that I've been putting a lot of work into. And to be honest, I never learned how to properly regulate my emotions as a child. So now I'm having to do that as an adult. And it's definitely a work in progress. But out of all the techniques I've read about and heard about, the most effective one for me has been breath work. When my anxiety or anger is triggered, it helps for me to pause and take a few deep breaths. Actually, before this call, I took a few deep breaths to calm my nerves. Um, but especially at competitions when my adrenaline is extremely high. And like I mentioned, I have a really intense flight or fight response. So it's difficult to stay calm and strategic when I'm stressed. But I knew I had to start getting my nerves under control if I wanted to perform my best at competitions. And I actually ended up buying a necklace made by a company called Camuso. And it's intended to help with breath work. It's this whistle looking piece that you exhale into. And because it's so narrow, it slows your breathing down. And for me, when I'm able to slow my breathing, I'm able to regulate my emotions better and find a sense of calm. What I think is really cool is that listening to some of the different stuff that you've implemented in your life and whether you know or not, because it sounds like you research, I research a lot too. Um, but a lot of the stuff that you've done is stuff that they work with elite athletes on. So, um, writing things down makes you something like 80% more likely to achieve your goals. So you talked about that earlier. And then with your mindfulness, they talk about energy management. I did an exercise one time where you did like 20 pushups, you get out of breath and then you stand up and this is all while, while monitoring your heart rate and you're supposed to try to bring your heart rate down. And it is not very easy for a lot of people. You know, some people just naturally have an ability to be able to regulate their energy very well while yeah. others do not. And it takes a while for people to figure out what it is that kind of calms them down in those instances. So rather that's doing something physical, listening to music, things of that nature. So I think it's, mm -hmm. it's really cool that, that you've done research and looked into these things that are very helpful. I think I'm going to add link for the whistle that you were talking about. I'm, I'm going to add that in the show notes in case our listeners are looking for something that they can use to, to work on breath work as well. I think it's, uh, that's pretty good. In terms of how I ground myself, I've tried meditation, but I think I struggle with it a little bit because I don't fully understand it. But I think journaling for me is where I, I find some type of mental peace. So I think journaling for me helps me kind of pour out any fears or anxieties on, onto paper, get, get them out of my, you know, get them out of my mind. So, Sure. Nelson Mandela one time was asked about overcoming fear, and he said, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not the man who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. I think that's so very true, especially in a thing like competition, because a lot of people have an unrealistic 
view of, you know, even who people would consider to be, you know, your legends in any sport that they don't get afraid and that they don't get nervous. And the truth is, is that they do, but they face that fear. And that's something that a lot of people don't do. Yeah. So I think, Rizzo, you said it earlier when you said, you know, finding your why. Yeah, I think that was a powerful statement that you made because I think a lot of times we lose focus of our why when we're in when we're encountering fear, uh, and and it allows you to succumb to that fear because you forget why you're doing something or or what your purpose is. So I, I think that really resonated with me. I heard somebody talk about one time how when you're thinking about your why, things are a lot different and how you view them. And the example that they gave was. If you saw some sharks in the water, you wouldn't just jump in with the sharks in the water. But if your child fell in, now that's your reason to jump in the water, right? So you don't even think about the sharks now. Now your why is my kids in the water. (laughs) You don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to jump in the sharks. I I might throw a lifesaver raft or something. The truly courageous person acknowledges their fear and finds the strength to conquer it in order to move forward. Hack number four is visualizing success. You know, visualizing success is super important when it comes to building courage. It's all about using your imagination to picture yourself achieving your goals. When you do that, you can feel the emotions and excitement of the success, which helps you believe in yourself and it helps boost your courage. The more you can see yourself overcoming challenges and reaching your goals, the more confident and determined you're going to become. It's like a mental practice run that gets your brain ready for that success, making it easier to take action when things get tough. Visualization can help you bounce back from setbacks by letting you imagine different situations and different solutions. This way you're prepared to handle surprises with confidence and with courage. So in a nutshell, picturing success is a powerful way to make your dreams come true. Face your fears and tackle life's challenges with a never give up attitude. Krista, do you do you visualize your success before it's achieved? Yes, I definitely do. And I was actually introduced to visualization when I played soccer in college at Oklahoma State. They brought in a mindset coach and she taught us how to visualize ourselves out on the field, carrying out whatever we chose to imagine. So I was a forward. So what I would visualize was being in front of the goal cutting to the side, shooting, and watching the ball go past the goalie and into the net. And I would even imagine what it would sound like when the ball hit the net. So when I started competing in jujitsu, it was a pretty natural thing for me to do, especially when I was sitting in the bullpen waiting for my matches. I visualized my hand being raised at the end of the match. I visualized being at the top of the podium and then even visualized the smaller things like how I planned to pass someone's guard or how I was going to shoot for a triangle and transition to an arm bar. So, of course, those things don't always go according to plan. But in general, I've had nothing but good experiences from using visualization. And in a way, it kind of makes me feel like I'm bringing it into existence. Yeah, manifesting. Yeah. Yeah. And visual imagery is actually something that they also teach elite athletes as well. Because they've done research where it's it's been shown that um, they've taken people. It was basketball. They took people in basketball and had them all. One one group didn't didn't practice at all. One group practiced physically every day, and then the other group just did um, visual imagery. And the group who did visual imagery outperformed the other two groups. So wow. it's a very powerful. 
So number five is to surround yourself with positive influences. Surrounding yourself with positive influences is critical to driving internal courage because the people you choose to spend your time with have a very profound effect on your mindset, beliefs, and actions. By connecting with individuals who inspire, uplift, and encourage you, you create an environment that fosters personal growth, self-belief, and a can-do attitude. These supportive relationships act as a source of strength and motivation, providing you with the confidence and resilience needed to face the different challenges that you go through head on. Additionally, positive influences can serve as role models demonstrating through their own actions the power of courage, determination, and perseverance. This exposure to courageous behavior helps you internalize these qualities and adopt them as part of your own character. Ultimately, immersing yourself in a circle of positive influences paves the way for development of internal courage, empowering you to tackle obstacles, seize opportunities, and reach your full potential. That doesn't mean it should be a comfortable person who just tells you everything that you want to hear. It should be Mm -hmm. people who are honest with you. (laughs) People are going to challenge you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Who are are your positive influences? I kind of mentioned this earlier, but at least growing up, my dad had a huge amount of influence on everything that I did. Um, He really pushed me to be the best version of myself. Like if I made a 91 on a test, he would ask why it wasn't a 100. Or I made the regional soccer team and he wanted me to make the national team. So he instilled a drive in me that I carry with me to this day. And nowadays, it's actually my husband who has been that support system for me, both in life and in jujitsu. And I don't think people realize how beneficial it is to have a significant other who trains and especially one who's a black belt and has owned his own gym. But when I first started jujitsu, I would get extremely frustrated because I wanted to be better than I was. To be honest, like most athletic related activities came easy to me, but with jujitsu, there's an intellectual piece to it. And I wanted to be able to take anyone on. And he had to continuously remind me that it's a process and that I can't rush through it. And even when I started to feel confident in my jujitsu as a blue belt, I would get destroyed in a role and he would remind me that it's just part of the journey. And he's helped me strategize and think through positions and he's drilled with me and taught me a majority of what I know today, especially the fundamental jujitsu that I surprisingly use a lot in competition. And he's been the perfect coach for me because he knows what I do and don't know. He knows what I'm working on. He's really put a lot of time into me and I'm just so grateful for it. And I'm also grateful for all my professors and teammates because they've provided genuine support ever since we joined their gym. When my husband and I moved from Houston to Dallas about a year ago, it was tough finding a home gym and we both love competing. So we wanted somewhere where we would be challenged, but we also wanted a community vibe where egos are left at the door and people aren't trying to prove themselves. So we wanted a place where the professors truly cared about their students. And we found that at our current gym, which is Academy of Champions, um, the professors there, Antonio and Mari, They've created a really great environment where if you compete, they'll give you all the support you need, but they're also invested in the students that don't compete and they push us, but not to the point where we're jeopardizing our mental or physical health. And this kind of plays into 
the posts that you mentioned about when I tore my LCL and I took it really hard and I was really tempted to suck it up and compete. And luckily I had people like my husband and my professors who were a great influence on me and helped me realize that it wasn't worth risking my health. It wasn't worth having chronic pain for the rest of my life. And They've even allowed me to help with white belts so that I could just somehow be involved while I'm injured. And never once was it suggested to work through my injury. And I know, unfortunately, there are gyms that might have that macho environment where you suck it up and go win a medal. But again, I'm just grateful to have had such great influences to help me make better, smarter choices. How, how do you deal with um, like toxic or negative energy? I've done a lot of work in trying to control the energy around me. That's why my husband and I put so much time into choosing the right gym. Because honestly, we're not scared to leave a gym if it's toxic. We'll find somewhere else to train because we want to make sure that we're surrounded with positive energy and good vibes. And to be honest, if there's negative energy, then we'll just remove ourselves from the situation. I'll remove myself from the situation. And and I also, like I mentioned, I posted about my injury and how I feel like pushing yourself through an injury just for a medal isn't right. That's kind of my way of dealing with negative energy as well is that I'll publicly share my thoughts on a topic because I feel like sometimes people might be in a gym environment where they just don't know any better. They don't have these other influences. And so I like to share my perspective so that I can be a good influence on others and really just create a positive energy and a positive influence on whoever I come into contact with. I'm very big on on that as well, on just eliminating myself from any issues. If I don't feel like the environment is conducive to my goals and to where I'm going, I eliminate myself as well. I think that's a great strategy for avoiding those types of opportunities to get caught up in that, in that negative energy. So that's good. Yeah. Hack six is uh, learn from your failures. Learning from our mistakes is super important for building courage. It's all about turning those setbacks into chances for growth and getting better at what we do. When we learn from failure, we get to know our strengths and weaknesses better, and that helps us be more resilient when facing future challenges and making smart choices. Plus, it encourages us to see obstacles as stepping stones, not huge barriers that we can't overcome. Changing the way we see failure helps us to be braver when taking risk and facing tough times with determination and persistence. Plus, when we realize that failure is just a normal part of the journey to success, we're less scared of messing things up, uh, which boosts our confidence and self-assurance. So learning from our mistakes not only makes us more resilient, but it also gives us the courage we need to chase after our dreams and goals no matter what. What has been your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Krista. One of my biggest failures in jujitsu was a little over a year ago before I really started to compete a lot. Life circumstances made it to where I temporarily had to switch gyms, which is actually when I met you guys. So I was at Pablo Silva's for maybe a week and I had spontaneously decided to sign up for a competition without preparing for it. 
<laughs> I hadn't even been training consistently, but for some reason, I thought it'd be a good idea. I ended up losing two matches, both by ref's decision. And it was then that I realized two things. One, that I had a lot of work to do. And two, if I really want to win these competitions, I would have to dedicate way more time to my training and preparation. So after that tournament, I really kicked it into high gear and I started asking upper belts for tips and tricks and they were kind enough to help me. I went online and I watched so many instructional videos and I even bought a grappling dummy to drill on at home because I had to miss classes sometimes because work or kids. So about a month later, I competed in my first IBJJF tournament and I got gold and it felt like all the hard work had paid off. And it was then that I knew how my training needed to look if I wanted to be successful at competitions. That's awesome. So, so then it wasn't a failure. It was a lesson. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. The last hack is to practice exposure. Practicing exposure plays a vital role in developing and basically building upon your your courage. It allows for you to gradually overcome your fears, anxieties, and limiting beliefs. By facing challenges and challenging situations or stimuli in a controlled or incremental manner like we had talked about before, you can learn to build tolerance and resilience, ultimately reducing the negative emotional responses to these perceived threats. This process of desensitization helps individuals recognize that their fears are often irrational or exaggerated, enabling them to develop a more grounded and realistic perspective. Um, as individuals gain confidence in their ability to cope with previously intimidating situations, they experience a sense of empowerment and self-efficiency. This newfound belief in their capabilities serves as a catalyst for internal courage, fostering the determination and resolve necessary to tackle even greater challenges. And moreover, the process of exposure also promotes personal growth and self-awareness as individuals gain insights into their strengths, weaknesses, and coping strategies. Ultimately, practicing exposure not only strengthens resilience and adaptability, but also cultivates the internal courage essential for overcoming obstacles and achieving personal and professional success. How do you practice exposure? And has it been beneficial? Have you struggled? competing is how I practice exposure. It takes a lot of courage to step on those mats and really test yourself. You never know how good your opponent's going to be. You never know if you're going to get submitted in 30 seconds or if you're going to get injured. But an even more simple answer is that I practice exposure just by training jujitsu. I truly hate getting overpowered, especially by men. And in high school, I was in a very toxic relationship where one day I finally tried to end it and he ended up pinning me down and choking me to where I almost passed out. And it wasn't until a few years later when I went into therapy that I realized how much it stuck with me. And it was a moment where I felt completely powerless and weak. And so when I started training jujitsu, I would get extremely triggered anytime I would get overpowered. It can be extremely frustrating when someone uses their brute strength instead of technique. But that's the reason I continue 
to roll with bigger, stronger people is because I want to become so technical to where strength doesn't matter. And the only way to get there is to continue to put myself in that situation and face those tough emotions. And of course, I do still get triggered every now and then, but I've gradually gotten better at managing the anxiety and the frustrations that come with it. That's awesome. When I think about immersion, like putting myself over and over again into a situation, I think about public speaking. When I was in the military, I got to a certain rank where it was almost required. It was a requirement to constantly be in front of groups and always speaking and doing speeches and stuff like that. So he would drip sweat like he was doing jujitsu. <laughs> yeah. When I get nervous, I sweat a lot. <laughs> As I got higher and higher in rank, I was going to need to talk to bigger and bigger crowds. And so I always found opportunities and I would volunteer to speak at different places. And, and every chance that I got to get in front of a group, I did it so that I would get better and, and overcome that, that nervousness. And what I found is even though I'd done it a lot of times, whenever I went to an engagement where I don't feel like I prepared, I was still nervous. It really taught me that you have to prepare or you have to over-prepare so that you go into the, into the engagement with confidence, knowing what you're talking about, and then there, there's less fear and there's, there's less nervousness there. Definitely. And I actually have that same exact experience um, when it comes to my professional life. I do eventually want to hold a management position. They have those same expectations mm. of you're going to have to get used to presenting to large groups. And so I've volunteered myself uh, to present and I was mentors to new hires where I would like onboard them. And, and I get extremely nervous. Like I said, my fight or fight response is insane and so even this podcast for me to be on this podcast is way out of my comfort zone when it comes to public speaking <laughs> well, what a way to expose yourself thank you yeah, that's it's <laughs> <laughs> amazing you know i think um sometimes we we don't think about the fact that other people experience some of the same fears that we do i don't know why we don't talk about them but I've worked with people a lot where they say, man, I hate talking in front of everybody, but they're one of the best speakers. And you're like, really? <laughs> you do great. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. I think it's a superpower to not let it, let anybody know how you're feeling. Like when you're nervous or when you're stressed or when I you're think afraid. That's what people think. <laughs> they think it's a superpower. <laughs> you know, uh, and that's actually why I like to be completely transparent when it comes to any posts on social media. There have been a few posts where I show a very vulnerable side to me and I know people think I exude this high amount of confidence, but I'm honest in my posts. I'm like, I, I'm nervous. I'm scared. And it takes me a lot to really prepare for these competitions. Like I have to do breath work. I have to do self affirmations and I'm not ashamed of it because I know there are other people who face the same anxieties and fears. And I want them to know, like, you're not alone. And it's definitely possible because I'm doing it and I like to share what actually works. For sure. I think that's powerful because I feel like even in that takes a tremendous amount of courage. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, a lot of people only like to only like to show themselves in their strongest, you know, at, when they're at their strongest and when they're at their best. Um, and it takes a very strong, courageous person to say, I'm not always at my best and it's not always easy for me either. Um, although it may seem that way, there's some, some things going on that, you know, I've got to work through in order to get out there and perform the way that I do. 
Yeah, exactly. And I feel like in a lot of my posts, like some of them, it's me winning gold and people comment congratulations. And that means a lot. Like I, I I appreciate the support, but what means the most to me is when I have a vulnerable post, a very honest, candid post about my feelings or emotions about something. And, and somebody messaged me personally and says like, you're inspiring me. You're really pushing me to challenge myself to go compete. And there have been several people who have reached out to me saying like my posts are actually helping them find their own confidence. Yeah. I think um, when I saw your post, it touched me because I've also been recovering from an injury. And so I've been conflicted where I feel like, well, maybe I should be doing more. Maybe I should be fighting through this pain. Maybe I should, you know, (laughs) and, and I know there's people that believe that that's just the case that they're like, yeah, you should, this little shoulder injury, this little torn rotator cuff shouldn't keep you out for so long, but I'm 50 years old. And so like, I want to be 60 and I want to be 70 and I still want to be able to use my arm. (laughs) So I've got to do the the hard thing, which is be courageous and say, you know, I've got to take myself out for a little bit so I can heal and understand that, you know what, this also is part of the process, you know? Absolutely. Um, The poet E.E. Cummings is quoted as saying, it takes courage to grow up and become who you really are. What do you think that that means? That makes me think of how much I've allowed other people to influence me and how much I've allowed other people to determine how I feel about myself. Like I mentioned, I feel like ever since I was a kid, I felt like I had to prove that I'm worthy. I had to prove that I'm valuable. And and I did that through making really good grades or being really good at a sport. And What I've learned within the past couple of years of doing all this personal work is that I don't need anybody to help me determine my worth. And I don't need any type of achievements or accomplishments to make me valuable. And so that quote for me, that's what that means is that I I need to be courageous enough to Forget all these influences and really appreciate myself and work on myself for me and nobody else. Getting to know yourself is the hardest person to get to know. Focusing on being the best you is the best thing that you could possibly do because you're never going to be the best somebody else if you're trying to be somebody else because you're not them. So the important thing is to be the best you. And, you know, you mentioned earlier how people have reached out to you about um, you inspiring them. And that's so very powerful because you don't know who's looking at you and being inspired by your actions. And you don't know who's watching what it is that you're writing or listening to what it is that you're saying. And sometimes you're saving people's lives and you don't even know it. Yeah. There's definitely ripple effects there. And um, and the other thing I was going to say about that is that I think that's where you come into your power. When you get to a point where the external influences no longer hold sway to how you move and who you are as a person, that's really when you start to ground your own power. And that's really when you become a powerful person. Because I feel like as long as you're trying to be someone else or be like someone else, you're really not in your own power yet. You know, for sure. Yeah. If you find yourself holding back, dodging challenges, coming up with reasons why you can't achieve what you truly desire, then it's definitely time to reignite your inner courage, 
if fear, whether that's fear of making mistakes, looking foolish or failing is stopping you from stepping out of your comfort zone, then it's time to harness your internal bravery. If you're stuck in analysis paralysis, unable to make crucial decisions swiftly, or you begin exciting projects only to quit without a clear reason, then this message is definitely meant for you. We urge you to grab a copy of Fill the Fear and Do It Anyway by Susan Jeffers or The Courage to Be Disliked by Ichiro Kishimi and Umataki Koga. These books offer incredible insights into cultivating and nurturing your personal courage. Check the show notes for the links and let the journey towards a more courageous you begin. Krista, any advice for our listeners out there who may be struggling from an overall lack of courage? I want to say just based on when people reach out to me and kind of ask me an overall question, like, how do you muster up the courage to compete? And I'm nervous that I'm going to let my team down or feel like a failure. My response is always related to you want to be the best version of yourself. And the only way you can do that is to take yourself outside of your comfort zone and challenge yourself and really see what your potential is. And let's say you go compete and you lose. Well, you just learn from it and you learn what your weakness is and then you work on it from there. And, and, and I don't mean to be cliche, but the, the quote, I don't lose, I learn. Um, that's very valid in my opinion, because anytime I've lost, when I win, I still learn. And anytime I go compete, I'm learning and I'm growing. And that's how you grow is you just get out of your comfort zone and you muster up the courage and you just do it. Great growth mindset. Yeah, for sure. Well, we thank you for joining us today on our show. It's definitely been a pleasure and incredibly humbling to get to know you on a more personal level and understand how you use courage to achieve and live an amazing life. Um, hopefully we get to um, invite you back on some future topics because uh, it's, uh, when you it's win really, worlds. yeah, when you, after you win worlds, <laughs> we'll have you back on. <laughs> how does it feel to be a champion? That's <laughs> Road to redemption. <laughs> As we wrap up this inspiring podcast on discovering courage, let's remember that courage isn't about being fearless. It's about facing challenges with determination, with strength and with a dedication to doing what's right. Our guest, Krista, shared incredible wisdom on developing inner bravery, touching on setting achievable goals, welcoming vulnerability, practicing mindfulness, envisioning success, surrounding ourselves with positivity, learning from setbacks, and embracing exposure. Building courage is a journey that takes time and effort, but the rewards are beyond comparison. As E. Cummings beautifully put it, it takes courage to grow up and become who you really are. So let's all commit to nurturing the inner courage we need to reach our goals and unlock our true potential. Potential. you found today's discussion relatable and impactful and we encourage you to show your support by liking subscribing and following us on all social media platforms by doing so you'll gain access to the latest episodes and exclusive behind the scenes content that you won't want to miss don't hesitate join our growing community of enthusiastic listeners today additionally we would greatly appreciate if you could leave us a comment on the streaming platform that you use to listen to our show 
Hearing from our listeners is always a delight and your feedback can help us tailor our content to your interest. Tell us what topics you'd like for us to tackle next. We are all ears.